2: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalino. Hey, and I'm your host, Matt Scalino. And Matt, today we've got a fantastic episode. We have Robert Hogue on the program. He is the senior economist at RBC, and he is talking about a report on the housing market they just released. It's called Canada's Housing Market, headed for another record year in 2021. That's right. And we're not clear if that's a statement or a question. Well, if it was a question, Matt, I would have said, in 2021? <laughs> That's right. It's, it's all about- <laughs> okay. I you can hear my questions. Right. Well then we're gonna unpack
1: the, the lead is there. Yeah. But we're unpacking that with Robert today. It's all about projections, projections, projections. Really bright guy. Really great to talk to uh, Robert, senior
2: economist from RBC, so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Uh, We we will stay tuned for that because honestly, this is a great conversation. He's a super bright guy. He's been at RBC for a long time. And man, the things that we cover today about interest rates, where the market goes from here, everyone's got it like there's a fatigue out there that I'm feeling. Like everything's super hot. But I, I was having this conversation with uh, with a colleague of ours where he was saying like, Everybody, like the stress, it, You could, it's like palpable out there. It's like, even during the showings, the buyers are stressed, right? It's like, am I doing, is this all for none? You know, yeah. the, the, you, gotta, you gotta go see the property, you gotta read the documents, you gotta get a pre-inspection, you gotta get your financing sorted, all for like a chance sometimes of like one of 20 offers to be the one that gets the property. And then you get the property and there's gotta be this moment... <laughs> Where you're going, that's the worst part. Yeah. We got it. Yeah, yeah. That's intonation. Congrats? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) there it is. Um, Anyways, it is a bizarre market out there, and it's right across the board. And we, we talk a little bit about that with Robert today. So I'm really excited to hear this interview.
1: That's right. But before we get to our talk uh, with Robert, Adam, there's a few things. First off, we have our listings incentive. This is a spring 2021 listings
2: incentive. Yeah, we appreciate everybody reaching out. Um, We do have a very exciting incentive. The code word, if you're a listener to this podcast, is Power Walker 2021. Uh, You can just text it to us or you can send us an email and we'll unpack the listing incentive for you. But we are basically... Looking to help you bring your property to market, get you top dollar in the shortest amount of time, and man, is it a good time to be a seller. And we'll give you an incentive to do it. The other thing we should say, Adam, is not only for sellers, but friends and family of the V Rep
1: community. This incentive is for people that trust Scalina Real Estate with their friends and family. Everybody wins in this case. Power Walker 2021. If you're not quite there yet. Yes. If you're not quite there, you're not looking for incentives, but you are looking for very on-the-ground resources to help get your place ready for market, we have the Sellers Club.
2: Yeah, the Sellers Club, Matt, it's the hottest club in town where you get top dollar in the shortest amount of time, but it's a great resource if you're just- starting to think about getting your place uh, ready for market. It's also a great resource if you just want to get your place looking really, really good just for yourself. Maybe you're throwing a party after COVID. I have no idea, but really it's a great resource. It's that good of a resource. It's it's a checklist (laughs) for getting your place ready to go. Um, So feel free, get in touch for the Sellers Club. You can do that by writing us at info at Podcast.com, or you can be on the live wire and there's a button on the live wire a very clickable button on the live. You know live what? The wire. listing
1: incentive is there too.
2: Yeah, Click exactly. on the live wire listing incentive. Fantastic. And Matt, we must mention our sponsor this week. We are sponsored by Oakland Realty. That's
1: right. Oakland Realty, this is our
2: brokerage, best
1: brokerage in town. Bar none. If you are a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody who's just looking to make a change, head over to Oakland.com/slash join. Type in VRP twenty twenty. That's Oakland.com slash join type in VRP 2020, you will meet up with Michael, Morgan, the gang. They have, speaking of, uh, well, it's a huge surprise. It's not so much an incentive as a big surprise. I'm not sure we know what the big
2: surprise is yet.
1: We have yet to find out, but uh, it's worth sitting down with those guys, surprise or not, I would say for sure. But Adam, maybe we should just cut to our uh, talk. It's a good one today. Robert Hogue, senior economist at the RBC. Enjoy.
2: Okay, so we're here with Robert Hogue, Senior Economist at RBC. How are you doing, Robert?
3: Very good, very good. How about you?
1: Doing well. Thanks so much, Robert, for taking the time uh, with us today.
3: It's always a pleasure. Can you maybe
2: start, Robert, by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: Uh, Well, I'm a Senior Economist at RBC. I've been uh, covering the uh, Canadian housing market now for the last dozen years, I guess, and, and prior to that, Working as an economist at another bank, I, was, uh, I covered uh, you know, various uh, industrial sectors, but obviously that covered a uh, housing market as well. So I've, I've managed to get quite a bit of experience uh, as a uh, as an analyst on on the housing market.
1: And you know, we asked you on today because you published uh, recently a report about the Canadian housing market, and we'll get there. But I was I was curious. Maybe as a as a more general question to start, how's in your mind how's the Canadian economy doing?
3: Well, I mean, the Canadian economy surprised us on the upside in the late stages of 2020. You uh, no, we we did expect that. You know, the, after the last spring, that in the, in the 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 uh, the economy would 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 show a pretty big pop in the summer, but, you know, we thought that by the fall, things would uh, continue to recover, uh, but at a much slower pace. And yet, you no, know, we're still getting, obviously, like economic data get, get, gets to, uh, to us uh, with uh, a certain lag, but the data that's coming in is, is still relatively encouraging. Now, you know, since the late stages of 2020, we've got you know, the second pandemic that prompted uh, the return of restriction measures, including lockdowns, in in large parts of the country. So, uh, obviously, the month of December and probably the, the month of January is going to be is going to look uh, a little weak uh, from an economic perspective. But now the, the the rollout of vaccines, and you know, assuming that we'll get some some yeah, more on the way. <laughs> to Canada i think uh, brings hope that the worst is behind us and that uh, we'll see a fairly you know vigorous economic recovery through the rest of this year probably more so over the second half of 2021 but you know that said if it weren't for vaccines we'll probably be a little more a little more pessimistic but uh, the moment vaccines Began to be rolled out to us. It was the game changer that we were you no know, long uh, hoping for.
2: In, in thinking about the economy, just generally in Canada, Robert, what, what, do, what do you think the next uh, one to, or maybe closer to two to five years uh, looks like?
3: Well, I mean, well, we do expect that we'll, we'll see you know, the further progress. Now, there's still. A, Quite quite a few question marks out there, and, and 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 a big one is the degree to which we lost economic capacity or productive capacity. You know, governments have done you know all they could to provide a, a lot of support uh, for uh, individuals and businesses, and so far it looks like we've had. You know, a minimal number of bankruptcies out there, but the game—the game is far from having been all played by uh, so far. So, it, it remains quite unclear how many businesses will lose permanently, and and uh, so all this to say that once we're through the pandemic and once the economy can operate more normally, we're not quite sure with the productive. Capacity of the economy will be uh, if most businesses, the vast majority, get through to it, and and you know, acknowledging that most of the difficulties these days are are really concentrated in you know, a certain a number of uh, of, of industries, you know, hospitality and airline uh, transportation, restaurants, and and all of those, but nonetheless, uh, if we lose a certain large percentage of, of businesses, this could uh, slow down the performance uh, down the road. But other than that, you know, when you look at other sort of fundamentals like immigration, where we, you know, we, we do expect immigration will bounce back and, and quite possibly bounce back quite uh, significantly. Probably not this year, but by 2022, 2023, we might see. So this will, at the same time, trigger quite a bit of of, uh, economic activity uh, related to that, either housing or just general consumption out there. So we're still reasonably bullish on the medium to longer term prospects uh, of Canada. But there's still, I mean, the the old challenges that Canada's economy has uh, faced in the past will remain kind of low productivity, for example, being one of them.
1: Fantastic. So maybe moving on to to housing more specifically, in January, so I guess last month, you published a, a report entitled Canada's housing market headed for another record year in 2021. I think the housing market, at least here in, in Vancouver and BC, more generally surprised everyone last year. Can you talk a little bit about your projections, what you're seeing for this year, and maybe the methodology behind the report?
3: Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, I think your your comment about how surprising the, the the BC or Vancouver market has been in 2020, I think, applies pretty much to all housing markets across Canada. You know, uh, in the spring, if anyone had, had told me that you know, they were expecting a record year uh, in terms of home resales and record prices overall for 2020, I would, I would have said they're crazy. Right. And here we are today. And in fact, what I'd like to, uh, to tell audiences is that uh, about this time last year, we were talking more or less about the same thing, uh, a very, very hot market, very strong demand, not enough supply out there, and prices uh, that are moving not only up, but uh, at an accelerating pace. I mean, that's the case of Vancouver. Vancouver has been, for a number of reasons, uh, prices had been cooled a little while ago, so it's a little bit sort of behind the curve relative to uh, other parts of, of the country like Toronto or even Ottawa or Montreal. <clears throat> but nonetheless, prices are accelerating. And here we are today saying more or less the same thing. Very strong second half of 2020. We thought by the fall, we thought that lot of that pent up demand that had built up through the spring will be done. And then we would kind of, uh, uh, activity would moderate to a more sustainable level. Through the uh, latter stages of 2020, but absolutely not. Uh, The market has been ended the year on a very high note. Uh, All indications so far for uh, January, uh, you know, tell us that uh, there's there was no let up in January, and the market was still very strong. If 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 anything. Supply is, is, uh, might be a little bit of a restraint so in terms of transactions. Transaction, uh, the number could have been even, even higher. So we see a, a lot of momentum. And when you think of you know, what's behind this very strong rally over the second half of last year, obviously low interest rates are right up there on that list. But also there's been quite a bit of, of churn in the market uh, caused by the pandemic itself that uh, probably would not have occurred had it not been for, our, for the pandemic. By that, I mean, there's a lot of people who spend a lot more time in, in their, uh, at home, uh, either working or studying or both, and uh, coming to the conclusion that their housing needs have changed uh, and they're you know, to accommodate spending so much time at home they needed to move. Uh, And so we've seen a lot of that kind of reason that uh, has triggered quite a bit of turn in the market and a lot of uh, interesting dynamics at the same time going from kind of core urban areas towards the suburbs and even further. And as people work from home, in some cases, they'll be on a permanent basis. The search for affordability takes people even further and further away. So those factors are still here at present, that low interest rates are still here, and when you, you know, listen to the Bank of Canada, they're telling us that there's not going to be a rise in interest uh, interest rate anytime soon, at least at the shorter end, so on the policy rate side. And this turn in the market, that those changing housing needs are still very, uh, very much uh, present. And and the third factor as well has been that quite surprisingly households have built up a lot of savings and that's one area that we were very concerned last spring we thought that uh, going into this crisis the household balance sheet was worrisome and so we were quite fearful that this huge shock would you know would, would uh, uh, cause a lot of trouble out there for a lot of households and in retrospect that government aid that from well, government Like uh, from all levels, uh, but especially at the federal level, with the CERB, for example, transferring a lot of money to households ended up being the right thing to do. But also in in hindsight, quite quite generous. So we've seen a lot of uh, savings that have been done, and in some cases also because uh, some households, you know, uh, couldn't really spend it either on traveling, Mm -hmm. uh, overseas travel, for example, that has been impossible. So there is. A lot of money that has been available to deploy on housing, (laughs) uh, but that still remains there. Uh, So that too, in our view, will continue to support housing market activity. Now, that's why we're we're saying that 2021 is likely to be even stronger than 2020. Now, when you look at it from a kind of a higher frequency basis, say on a quarterly basis, our view is that we're probably have reached or we're very close to the peak in terms of the level of activity over so the period of a quarter. But through the year, we're expecting the level of activity to cool gradually. So overall for 2020, one, expecting uh, total activity to be stronger in 2020. But through the course of the year, we should be seeing some uh, some cooling. Part of it reflecting the fact that, at least in the near term, supply is a restraint. <laughs> There's just not enough uh, units available for sale out there. And so so not enough to satisfy demand. Uh, so that could be a, a restraint on, on the level of activity, because when you look at uh, inventories, they've been plummeting. And soon we'll see an exceptionally low level of, of inventories being a restraint on activity. and And also I've mentioned... Interest rates, you know, at at least at the short end, not rising. But the longer end, by by that I mean the kind of longer term uh, interest rates that are set by bond markets. We we do expect a, a little bit of a creep in them, probably through the second half of this year. Nothing super substantial, but just the fact that we're expecting, for example, five year rates uh, rising a little bit from uh, incredibly low levels that they are today. Uh, means that at the margin, this will have a little bit of a cooling effect on demand. So, on top of that, uh, you have also affordability issues that have not been a big obstacle <laughs> for the market rally since last summer. Right. However, we do expect that to become much more of a, an obstacle in through the latter stages of this year. So, all this to say, still pretty bullish on the housing market but we do expect some kind of in-year cooling through the year.
1: Okay, so there's a yeah, a number of things that I'd like to kind of unpack there if possible. One is just thinking about debt levels and and the level of savings that have occurred over the last year right we've heard a lot about that over the course of you know we've been doing this podcast for five years now or so we've talked to a lot of people pre-pandemic that were worried about canadian debt levels and and Mm -hmm. we'd have people comparing them to u.s debt levels and they seemed out of whack can you talk about how the pandemics changed that and uh and kind of where we're at now
3: well yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to read now because what the pandemic has done is that it's distorted a, a number of metrics, and the debt-to-income ratio is one of them. Uh, the reason being, there's been a, a record uh, transfers from governments to individuals that count as an income, a, a source of income. And so what we've seen is that I've mentioned that savings have gone up, but also household income has surged through the pandemic, which is, may appear quite odd uh, because, you know, unemployment has, has surged. So, uh, and so when you look at the numbers, really, employment income has declined, but it's been more than compensated from transfers from government to households. So all this to say that those household balance sheet metrics have been distorted so they look in fact better right now and they've looked better since the uh, the, the middle of last year but that being said it, it's probably it's not the right I mean ultimately things are going to uh, deteriorate and household income is not sustainable at recent levels eventually governments uh, will start to rein in uh, transfers to to household and then at that point, we're likely to see those uh, household balance sheet metrics look a little worse than they are today. The question is, where are they going to land? At this, and at this point, it's very hard to tell. My best guess would be that we're probably going to return to a pre-pandemic kind of ballpark, you know, more specifically on debt to income, for example. But which is, by the way, not not my favorite metric. I don't think that's that's uh, the the right thing to look at. But more the, the better one is to look at the debt service cost uh, as a share of income. But ultimately, uh, you know, keeping in mind that interest rates are going to remain low uh, quite for a long time, even though we were expecting longer term rates to creep a little bit higher. You know, the big picture will be very low interest rates. So debt service costs, for example. Is unlikely to surge, so it's it's still. It- the picture looks good now, but it it really not true reflection of the under underlying conditions.
1: It sounds like Robert, we shouldn't be celebrating <laughs> the, the lower debt levels. Then at this point, at least, uh, I mean, it's a positive, but it's not necessarily exactly. It, yeah, part it's of actually
3: not return. lower debt levels per se, but it's relative to income, right? And this is these these are metrics relative to income, and when income on a temporary basis has been boosted by very unusual factors with massive government transfers, then that's where the distortion is.
2: Robert, in, in thinking about the uh, government stimulus and um, all these massive government transfers, how does the Canadian government uh, recover from this uh, all this debt?
3: Well, in, in the best, best of all, all worlds, is, is through economic growth. If the government plays it right when you know, the recovery is going to kick into higher gear, no, we're all going to see you know, stronger productivity, uh, stronger production, a stronger economy, a stronger economic growth is the best way to, to manage the huge debt load that we've, uh, well, governments have accumulated on our behalf. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's obviously quite a bit of uncertainty. Again, the fact that the government can count on exceptionally low interest rate, therefore exceptionally low uh, funding costs, helps things. You know, we would be a lot more worried if we thought that the interest rates are would would, would surge or would rise quite materially in in the, in the near future. But you know, low interest rates will help contain the rise in. A debt service costs, which will help in turn manage the government manage uh, and this, this high debt load in in the future.
1: I guess we all have our fingers crossed for you know a strong economy moving forward here. What regions, uh, in terms of housing in Canada, will outperform the the larger Canadian housing market in the next year or two?
3: Again, uh, there's maybe a, a little bit of a nuance and and, and the uh, the answer there because in some cases outperforming you have to take into account where it's been i'm thinking for example in alberta that because the the the, the, the shock actually that was the second shock in the space of five years right <laughs> that province has suffered is is uh is coming out of every deep hole in other words uh, so the 2021, for example, might look a very strong growth, but in fact, now it's just not, you know, catching up. It's trying to catch up with other provinces, but but ultimately, uh, you know, where population growth has been strongest and, and will likely to be stronger in, in the future, and BC being one. But Ontario as well, uh, those are uh, markets where we think offer quite a bit of a, uh, a potential for growth in terms of uh, activity. Now, in terms of, of, of prices, for example, this is really you have to take into account the, the, on the supply side. And and I'm thinking specifically like in Montreal and, and Quebec more broadly, but but especially Montreal and Ottawa are markets where Even pre-pandemic, prices were rising quite rapidly, and they haven't really missed a beat through the pandemic. And uh, those markets are so tight that we're likely to see very strong price increases uh, to the point that I think there has to be some discussion in those markets about potentially considering ways to cool those markets, uh, because otherwise they're getting into – well, it it would – if you let things go, they're, they're likely to see affordability erode quite uh, substantially. So those are, but, but BC, I think our prospects are still good and, and prices are likely to rise further, uh, although because of the correction that we saw a little while ago, uh, prices as we speak are not quite a, a, a rising quite as fast as elsewhere. Right uh, but there's still some u- uh, upsides there
1: and can you put put some numbers? I know there are some numbers in terms of forecasting kind of price increases over over twenty twenty one do you have those either memorized or in front of you
3: <laughs> yeah it's eight eight uh eight well just under eight eight and a half percent uh, nationally and b c. It's about the same, 8.6% increase. And, and those are, just, just to be clear here, the prices we're using, they're, they're benchmark prices. They're not average prices.
2: Right. So, Robert, what do, you, what do you think is the biggest potential risk to the housing market in 2021, or, or is there one? And do you see government intervention as uh, potentially happening if, uh, if, if affordability becomes a real concern? And
1: yeah. and and as a piggyback, Robert, on on that question, it sounds like you're thinking specific markets for potentially for government intervention. Well, will, in your mind, does it look like a, a scalpel or a sledgehammer?
3: Well, I, ideally, those are, are kind of scalpels, but to, and uh, realistically, typically those those uh, policy tools are more. They look more like a sledgehammer. <laughs> uh, you know, especially if you think of at the national, at the federal level, CMHC or OSVI or others, they typically that they're they're tools that apply from coast to coast. Uh, and so, if there's some issues in Toronto and GTA, for example, southern Ontario, whatever policy that's being adopted is gets rolled out. I mean, they're they've managed over the years to be as uh, as surgical as they could, but it really is a fairly, uh, you know, kind of blunt policy tools, usually from a, a location perspective or a geographic perspective. So the risk, uh, obviously, both on, on the upside and downside, uh, to be honest, obviously, the big elephant in the room is the pandemic, and that's a huge risk. Uh, we are We're seeing some encouraging numbers on daily new confirmed cases, but I think it's way too early to say we're out of it. Uh, there could be uh, new variants of the uh, of the virus that causes a third wave, for example, potentially, or could render uh, vaccines uh, ineffective, and that could spell trouble to the economy and, and the housing market. And on the upside, you no, know, we could have uh, if those vaccines are great, and we tackle this this. Uh, Second wave very effectively in short order. We can have a potential period of euphoria where governments like the Bank of Canada would be reluctant to start tightening. It's an interest rate policy, uh, so we'll probably uh, err on the safe side and you know let the economy run a little hot before it starts to tighten, and which could create a window of household business confidence booming at some point. Still very low interest rates, people gaining their jobs back. And so uh, some kind of moment of euphoria roaring 2021 or 2022 or something like that, uh, that could uh, further fuel the market. And, and at the same time, something we haven't talked about is on immigration. We might see suddenly that the gates open and, and a flood of immigrants coming back, probably not in very short order, but may potentially over the latter stages this year. And then uh, bringing the heat back into the downtown cores, right? Because those downtown cores have had uh, quite a bit of a, um, a challenge through, through the pandemic. Right.
1: And maybe just that, I was actually wanting to hear your take on that, because it sounds like we're talking kind of 8 to 9% price increases across across Canada, similar numbers in BC, but, but your report definitely points out that it's not necessarily all you know, you're not talking about Vancouver. It's, it's growth in a lot of the smaller centres. How, how do you see uh, downtown and kind of the surrounding areas?
3: Yeah, there's very complex dynamics at play. Since the summer. What we've seen is that there's a big movement towards the suburbs, exurbs, and even further away, which has put a lot of pressure on the, on the smaller markets. Uh, I mean, obviously, those smaller markets aren't quite as deep and they don't have the same housing stock. So it doesn't take that much of a surge or a wave of buyers to really put a lot of pressure on those markets and see prices uh, spiking. And, and this is something we've seen across many parts of Canada. Uh, smaller markets have, in, in fact, prices have increased faster than the core urban areas. Now in the core urban areas, still, it's almost a, a tale of, of two markets, really. There is the homes for single family homes. And then there is the condos. Condo market is, is cool in, in large part because the rental market uh, has been uh, probably the most affected now you when you think of housing probably the most affected by by the pandemic and that's a combination of uh, the huge drop in immigration and also of uh, students staying at home and there's uh, also the, the the drop in tourism that's basically the short-term rental businesses completely stop or almost stop especially in in the downtown core so that brought a lot of units from the short-term rental side of business into the longer-term rental market. And so that's created more vacancies. And we've seen some downward pressure on, on rent, which is, this in my book, when you look at your longer-term perspective, it may not be necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's obviously for challenging for some uh, condo investors, for example, but really for renters and the rental markets, longer term health it's not necessarily a bad thing that those uh, rapid rent increases that we've seen over, over the past several years have kind of cooled down right so, so it's a very complex set of dynamics but when you think of 2021 and beyond some of those are likely to stick around for a while and i'm thinking more specifically about working from home that is probably going to become a permanent reality for a certain proportion of those who are currently temporarily working from home. SASCAN reported, I think, in December, there was more than 2.5 million people working from home uh, that normally would not work from home. Uh, so even if uh, you get you know, 10 20 25% of them uh, working from home permanently—that's still a large number of people.
1: Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in terms of the demand for different types of product.
3: Uh, yeah, and, and interestingly, over the last couple months, we've seen sort of a return in terms of condo sales or condo in, in the resale in the existing home market. Condo sales has picked up after having kind of slumped through. Uh, The recovery since uh, through the summer, so it's just kind of late stages, and that's probably the reflection of one basically no inventories on the single-detached home. Uh, That's all you can buy these days. Is uh, and and and, you know condo inventories that had surged, so there's a lot more available for sale out there, and two. They're quite likely that the news of vaccines have probably uh, been uh, interpreted as a signal for some investors to uh, to think ahead and say uh, well, maybe now is the time to get into, back into the market uh, mm-hmm. at a time when in some cases prices have declined, uh, kind of downtown condos, uh, so they might be opportunistic in trying to scoop some, some up at attractive price points.
2: We're, right. we're definitely seeing that here in the downtown Vancouver market again, especially in the uh, one bedroom market. Yeah, in the lower in the lower price points downtown. It's since December. It's it's really
1: picked up. Um, so, which is very different than it felt in say September October. That's for sure, right? Correct. Yeah.
2: Well, well, maybe we'll leave it there, Robert. But uh, thank you so much for your time. And how can people find out more about uh, what you're working on at RBC, the reports you're publishing, and and uh, yeah, how can they learn more?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We, we post uh, all the reports that we produce on our website, uh, rbc.com economics. And you can also be added to our mailing list. And I believe on our website, there's a, a button where you can subscribe to our uh, publications. Or we'll be more than happy to have anyone on our mailing list.
1: Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Robert, for your time. And, and yeah, really interesting conversation.
3: Well, it's been my pleasure.
1: So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Robert Hogue, senior economist at the Royal Bank of Canada.
2: Really enjoyed how you said the full name of the bank. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's a thing. Is, is it? Is it? It's just RBC, right? I is it like I, I wonder about TD too. The Toronto Dominion Bank. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to the Toronto Dominion later today. Yeah. Nobody says it's it's all acronyms. My grandma does it's all acronyms? I'm at the uh, automated teller machine. <laughs> is that what ATM is? Is it automated teller machine? It's a machine. It must not be machine, is it? I, I don't know. Somebody fact check that. Yeah, secret, I think you're right. Secret, get on right. that. Um, anyways, this is, uh, that was a great conversation with Robert.
1: Yeah, you know what? What I like about this is, you know, we're not just talking to the Colin Bozes of the world, the CEO from Boza Properties from last week. Got a lot of positive feedback on that one as well. Tons. Great conversation. But you know, Robert Hogue, economist out of Toronto at yes. the RBC, doesn't have a dog in the fight. No. But very, very interesting take on, on Vancouver's market and the Canadian housing market overall.
2: And uh, yeah, it's just great to get all these uh, varied perspectives. You know, we had a conversation this morning with Sean Gilligan uh, from Quadreal, who's going to be on a future episode as well. I love just talking, like guys like Robert, guys like Sean that aren't necessarily, you know, in the development community per se or, or selling real estate, but they're just, they're obsessed with real estate, they're obsessed with kind of monitoring the markets and uh, different asset classes. And it's not, this is not a job for them. You know, it is a job for It's them, a passion. It is a passion. It yeah. 100% is a passion. And you hear that um, in our conversation today with Robert, but you'll definitely hear that as well with our conversation with Sean Gilligan. I think uh, that's going to land drop next week. That's going to drop next Ooh, week. That's that a, a great one. conversation. I'm super excited to put that episode out. We ran so long on that episode. We might have to uh, take a note of it. It might of, be part uh, one, part two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Regardless, um, we're not very good at trimming the fat, so uh, <laughs> in our own personal lives. So, <laughs> as as, uh, as as our dad said, uh, <laughs> you want to lose twenty pounds, of ugly fat, chop off your head. Uh, so, what what else do we have for the rest of the day, Matt? What else do we have? We
1: have Podcast dot com. This is our website where all things real estate live. Head over to Podcast dot com for things like the Livewire. This is our yes. weekly newsletter. We got stats before anyone else. We got stats that no one else has. We got the deal of the month. All those buttons we talk about with incentives, Sellers Club. This is. There's no reason you're not on this list. If, you,
2: if you're just even into clicking buttons, it's a great list. To oh, on. you
1: like buttons? We got buttons. <laughs> we got buttons. We got buttons. We also have private client services. Because
2: Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips. For free, it's available on our site, vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. dot com. I just want to mention it again. Interface Express is going through a massive Ooh. facelift, and right, uh, that's going to be
1: is looking different these days, and I like
2: it. I know it's uh, well, yeah, and our features are increasing as well. So we've got a lot of super exciting things coming with that resource. So sign up now, and you will benefit from that in the coming weeks. And last but not least. Our incentive is still active. If you're looking at selling this year, we've been launching a lot of listings. We are actually, uh, I feel like we keep running out of listings. Stuff is selling too quick. That's Um, right. So if you're out there and you're a seller and you're thinking about selling this year, this spring, um, no better time than the present. Feel free to get in touch. And Matt, how can people do that? They can do that by, well, first off, Adam, the incentive is Power Walker 2021. Right.
1: Don't forget that. Power Walker 2021 Call me at any time seven seven eight
2: eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at Podcast dot com or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam at Podcast dot com.
1: We also got that secret line info at Podcast dot com.
2: Oh, last just yeah, shout out, final thing we totally forgot, but we are hiring. We've had some great oh resumes God. come in. If you are an agent looking to join a very busy team in the Vancouver real estate market and you have your license or you're getting your license or you process, know somebody, or you know somebody, uh, please refer. We'd love to hire somebody out of the VREP community and uh, have a great week, guys. Take care.
3: Two guys faces for radio. Subscribe today.